in the study in the tabernacle of the mercy seat, verse 17, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubics and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubic and a half the breadth thereof. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work, shall thou make them, in the two ends of the mercy seat. And one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat, shall, be, shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. And the, the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat, shall their faces of the cherubim be. And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee, and there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. <clears throat> Now, for the past 15 weeks, we've studied the brazen altar, the labor, Christ our sanctification, the showbread, Christ our sustainer, the golden candlestick is Christ our sight and our might, the altar of incense, which pictures Christ our supplication. Then we fit it in the veil. That's not a part of the furniture, but that is the veil between the golden altar of prayer, uh, altar of incense, and going into the Holy of Holies where you meet. God said, I'll meet with you there. Then the last two weeks, we've looked at the Ark of the Covenant and the, the contents that go in the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, now, by the way, Isaac came in this morning and said, over the holidays, you did not get to record our lesson, but he'll get that done in this one, too, for next week. So this morning, we're looking at Christ, the mercy seat, Christ, our sin bearer. And we got three or four categories. We're going to try to get through the entire lesson. I think it'll all fit together. But number one, let's look at the measurements of the mercy seat. There's a truth in there that I would hope would be a blessing to all of us. But back in verse 17, Thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, and he gave us the measurements. Two cubics and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubic and a half the breadth thereof. Now go back up to verse 10, and let's look at the ark that God gave instructions for. You'll find that the measurements are exactly the same. He said, two cubics and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubic and a half the breadth thereof. What does that teach us? The mercy seat where the blood of, of the bulls were sprinkled for the atonement for the people of Israel was the exact same measurements as the top of the Ark of the Covenant where God said, put the broken law where you've sinned against me, put your rebellion in there where you rebelled against my leadership, and put all of your murmuring and complaining in there about what I've done for Israel and how I fed you and everything, put it all in there, and we're going to put the mercy seat on top of it, and it fits perfectly and exactly. It's not oversized. It's not undersized. God said it, the mercy seat with the blood of atonement that came from the, the goat that was sacrificed, God said that perfectly covers and meets all my requirements to forgive you of your sins and declare you to be righteous in my sight. 
Everybody said amen. Because your sins and my sins are pictured in there just like those that Israel sinned against God when they broke the law, rebelled against God's leadership, and complained about everything he did. I'm not going to ask how many of us have done that, but y'all can answer that for yourself. Uh, not only that, uh, let me just go ahead and, and uh, uh, maybe amplify that just a little bit. Not only did it perfectly fit to where it covered from side to side, from end to end, covered all of my sins and all of your sins because it pictures Christ, which we'll look at in just a few minutes. That was a picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. What they did in the tabernacle was temporary. God said it over in Hebrews, it can never take away sin. It only covers it. Thank God today our sins are not covered, Alan. They're, they're taken away. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. Not only did it perfectly fit, but God said when he said build the ark, uh, look in verse 11, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, within and without shall thou overlay it, and thou shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. Now we had the picture. I didn't put it back up here today because they didn't put the crown. Now I don't know exactly what that crown looked like. But I studied the Greek and all of the uh, antiquities of the Jews. And it was built onto the side of the ark. And it was elevated up above it. It says round about up on it. It may have been sitting right up on the top edge of it. I don't know. But it was in made such an assertion perfect place that the mercy seat with the cherubims, we'll look at that, that guarded the holiness of God in Genesis. Today it guards it in that day it pictured and today it pictures for us that those sins are covered by the mercy seat and by the blood and we've got two cherubims on top of it that guard it from being opened. But it is fixed to where it will not slide either way up or down, back or forth. It will not slide off. It will not tilt off. It will not accidentally come off. It is sealed and it's held on there by the crown of the King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ. And nobody's <laughs> going to override that and take my sins out and say, look what you did. Amen. I don't know about you. I like that. And not only did God fix it where it fit perfectly, not only did he fix it and round about with the crown of the king of kings. Look over in uh, Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 14. There he talked about the blood. And he said, He shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with the finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat and the sin offering that it is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So the mercy seat was not only in place by God's will, by God's providence, it also sprinkled with the blood that pictured the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, I forget the text, we looked at it a couple of three weeks ago. But uh, God made it clear in the book of Leviticus. He said, no man is to look inside. Y'all remember that? He said, no man is to look inside. And somebody came along and of their, they invoked their own free will and said, I want to look inside and see what the sins are all about and everything. And God killed him. 
God has protected all that you and I have confessed and been forgiven of from the time that we got born again till the time that God will call us home to be with him. Does everybody understand that? I talk with people across this country and they, they, they say, can I talk with you and we'll go aside somewhere and talk in other churches and I've done it right here in this church. And they, they begin telling me some story about something they did 25 years ago and it's tormenting me and you preached today and God convicted me of it. I said, no, he didn't. Uh, and I don't mean that wrong. But if you and I have confessed a sin, it's under the blood, it's in the covenant, it's locked in by the mercy seat, and God said, I cast it as far as behind my back as the east is from the west, I remember it no more. And when you go back and you, you, when you are tormented by something you did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that's the devil working on your flesh saying, look at you, you're no count, you're guilty. Have you all experienced that? Satan is a master at tormenting you and I. If you just simply read, believe, and let God make it real to you that your sins are sealed forever under the blood of Christ, and no man can bring them up and make you feel guilty because God had forgiven them, and they're gone. They're gone. Thank God. I, I talked to my son a while back, and he was talking to me about it. And he had some questions. He said, Dad, I've heard people say we stand before the judgment seat of Christ all of our lives and all of our sins and everything. We're going to be put on a big screen for the world to see. I said, no, no, son, that's not going to happen. Of course, I sat down and explained to him why that wasn't. He wasn't being that way, but he was said, I need to really know so that I can be settled in my own heart and I can teach other people. Does anybody have any questions about that? Questions? Question. No, statement. Because sometimes our sins do come up in our memory and thoughts, and then I'm reminded that if I talk to God about it, He says, I don't know what you're talking about. That's right. That's what I've told people. I said, and they said, I went to the altar tonight, confessed my sins again. I said, what did God say? And he said, well, he forgave me. I said, no, he didn't. He said, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Listen, I hope you remember that. That is one of Satan's master, master made. If he can torment you and get you to listen, you'll not be used of God in any way because you're too busy being guilty and tormented and feel like you're worthless. Anybody got any questions? I want you to go out here knowing that your sins are under the blood and they're done away with. All right, let's move on uh, <clears throat> and look at the materials in the mercy seat. Now, be very brief in it. Uh, it was pure gold. And I don't think anybody in here is confused on this, but we've been over this many, many times in every article except the lampstand. <clears throat> they were made of wood covered with gold. The wood pictures humanity. The gold pictures the deity of Christ. Y'all with me? But in the lampstand, it is pure gold. That tells us that that is all of God and that is a place of service and we're to serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and God don't need our help. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. 
number two, we're looking at this uh, mercy seat. It is made of what? Pure gold. There is no humanity in the forgiveness of sin. Y'all familiar with the Catholic Church? Some of you may have had background in the Catholic Church years ago. You go into a Catholic Church today, particularly in Mexico, you'll see in every Catholic Church I've ever been into, somewhere on the side of that church, they got a booth in there and some man sits in there that's no more priest. He's not even a priest. He's just a man in the flesh and people line up. I've been in Mexico. They'll line up out the door down the block and kneel down there and confess their sins. Do you all get the picture? God said, I forgive sins. I'm the only one that can forgive sins and man has nothing whatsoever to do with it. Forgiveness of sin is done by the mercy seat with the blood sprinkled on it and it is pure gold. Man has nothing to do about it. Don't ever get caught up into thinking you need to confess your sins to man. That man, and I've got a good friend of mine, led him to Christ. He was a Catholic priest down there and he realized it was a joke. He said, I can't no more forgive sins. He said, I can't even get mine done sometimes. And, uh, so y'all, everybody understands that. I don't think anybody here is confused on that. <clears throat> but let's move on and look at uh, the mercy seat. We've looked at the measurements. We've looked at the material. I want to look at the mercy seat and what it pictures. This was a real blessing to me because it so clearly pictures our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. All I've got is some good dictionaries. But uh, you've got it on your outline here under number three, the Greek and the Hebrew word comparison. The Hebrew word, and I can't even pronounce it, kaporeth, K-A-P-P-O-R-A-T-H. That's in verse 17 of what we just read over in chapter 25, where it says, And thou shalt make a mercy seat. Thou shalt make a, a kaporeth. Now, the Greek word in the New Testament is entirely different in spelling H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-R-I-O-N and then if you're looking at your notes it's got a second word right beside it H-I-L-A-S-M-O-S Halamos one of them the first one is a noun the second one is a verb they both mean the same thing so don't get confused on it they both mean the same thing now let's look at how they are used over in the New Testament go to Romans chapter 3 and verse 25 <clears throat> they're translated different but I want you to see this this is good I think it's good all of you are familiar with Romans uh, 3.23 where God said all of sin comes short of the glory of God verse 24 being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus verse 25 whom God set forth to be a what you know what the word's translated from it comes from the Greek word H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N which means mercy seat. That's the Greek translation of mercy seat. God said, whom God has set forth to be a mercy seat through his faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. Does everybody get the picture? Our Lord Jesus Christ is our mercy seat, and through that, said here in this verse, that he declared you and I to be righteousness through his blood. Now, David, that's hard for me to really get hold of sometimes, that in God's sight, people like you, people like me, in God's sight, we're as righteous as who? We're righteous as the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't even like to say that out loud, Jeff. 
to be compared in that way. But God said it. I didn't say it. It said he is made to be a mercy seat. Do you all see again? I want you to see this. So much we find in our New Testament, our Lord Jesus was going back where? Back to the tabernacle. Because it all pictured our Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn over to First uh, John chapter 2, verse 2. You're familiar with this text. Many, many times we've quoted this. First John chapter 2 and verse 1. Let's start there. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the mercy seat for our sins. Same Greek word as we looked at over in Romans chapter 3. Same Greek word that is synonymous with the Hebrew word back over in Exodus chapter 25 verse 17. Just translated propitiation in our English, but it is rightly out of the Greek and the Hebrew, the mercy seat. So it's pictured again that he is our mercy seat. He has sealed our sins by pure gold, by his own sovereignty and the blood of Christ covers it and it's set there and we'll see this in a minute it's guarded by the cherubims and we'll look at that in just a minute thank God for that now let's look at turn the page to 1st John chapter 4 and verse 10 we'll see it again all of you are familiar we most everybody can probably quote this from memory starting in verse 7 beloved let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the, the mercy seat. Same Greek word be the mercy seat for our sins and we see it again and again and again now let's go back to Hebrews and just finish up this application here Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9 I want to start back in verse 5 so we get the whole picture Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 5 and we're going to read down through verse 11 here it is translated it's same as it's translated in the book of Exodus. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing what? The mercy seat. Same word is translated in other places, propitiation. Mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now then these things were thus ordained. The priests went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. That's the holy place. And into the second, the Holy of Holies, went the high priest alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the arrows of the people. The Holy Ghost thus signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Returning back to that tabernacle again, that was a picture. You all know that the blood of bull and goats can't take away sin. He said, that's a picture. We're tying all this together. 
while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal uh, ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now watch. But Christ, becoming a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that was Moses's, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood, he entered into the holy place, having obtained what? Security of the believer. If anybody's ever had any question about your salvation being secure, you can trust God. It's eternal. You couldn't lose it. I talked to a man one time and said, no man plucked them out of my hand. He said, yeah, but I could jump out. And I said, not when you're part of the hand. You know, there's a difference in being part of the hand and in the hand. And we won't go back to that scripture. But you've always got somebody who wants to come up and back you in a corner. And I enjoy those people because I like to... I guess this is Carl put them in their place. <laughs> but the word of God leaves no doubt. Has anybody in here got any questions about eternal security? I hope you'll say, Brother Ernest, I need to talk to you because you need to get that settled. That can torment you. I have doubted my salvation a time or two. Never doubted my call to preach, but I've doubted my salvation early years. I didn't know all the truths. I still don't know all of them, but at least I know enough to know that you and I are eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's our propitiation, and he's our mercy seat, and that's done by the sovereignty of God, pure gold. No humanity involved in it. It's done deal. And there's nothing we can do to get out of that. You couldn't get out if you wanted to. So if people could... could think about, meditate on that truth, then we could live in our true identity as Christians and we wouldn't focus so much on our sinfulness. And I believe God could use us greatly more than what he does. Let me tell you why you do that. Let me tell you why you do that. You forget sometimes that we listen to Satan when he comes talk to us. I've told you how many times in this class. You can't, God didn't give us the power to forget, but Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. You ought to remind yourself of that every day because you need it every day. It means put it in a closet and shut the door and don't listen. And Satan is subtle. How many of you realize that? If he can't get you to listen one way, David, he'll come around on the other side and start at another door. He's got a master plan of trying to get you to listen to him. And if he can get you to listen to him, he'll torment you. How many of you have been tormenting? Yeah, all of us. Huh? What have I told you before? Every time Satan comes along and reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. You'll go away. <laughs> All right, let's, we've still got a few minutes. Let's quickly see if we can wind this up. Just quickly, this is the meanings of the mercy seat down in number four. And it's got five different basic meanings, and we won't elaborate on them because we want to move to the cherubims and finish. But uh, Leviticus verse 16, verse 14, we've already read there, so we won't turn back to that. But it talks about the blood. The blood was the sacrifice that was given that was put on the top of the mercy seat. And it was number one, I've got it listed here in A. The, judge, the mercy seat was a place of judgment. 
sins were judged and the penalty required by the law was paid. Blood was shed. So it was a place of judgment where the blood was shed. In the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats was temporary a covering. For you and I, it's the blood of Christ and it's once for all our sins are forgiven and we've obtained eternal redemption. Number two, it's a place of mercy. We read that just now in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. Uh, we're looking at it still right now. Uh, no, I'm sorry, verse uh, 9, 11 through, through 15. I've got the wrong place. Anywhere. Oh, me. Where is... He said, come boldly to the throne of grace. Yes, that's and we will find what? Mercy and help in a time of need. 416. 416. I jotted it down here wrong. Chapter 4, verse 16. Yes, seeing then, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. We've covered that. He understands you and I. Do you all understand that? Does everybody understand that? 2 Timothy 2.15, there's one mediator between man and God, the what? The man, not the God Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. So much truth right there in that one verse. He understands everything that you and I go through. He experienced that. You say, Ernest, explain that. I can't. But he cannot be touched. And then he said, verse 16, let us therefore, because he can be touched, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace in a time of need. Number three, it's a place of fellowship. I'm going to move on back over in Exodus chapter uh, 25 and uh, what was it? Verse uh, 22. God said what? I there will I meet with thee. Again, it's hard for me to imagine sometimes that I can go and meet and sit down and have fellowship with the God of all creation. But you go to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. He said, you open the door and I will come in. Picture that in your mind. He's knocking on the front door of your house and you open the door. He said, I'll come in and I'll sit down at your table and we'll have coffee. And I'll fellowship with you. And you fellowship with me. I'll sup with you, you sup with me. Whew. It's good. I know all of y'all have been there to get up in the morning all alone and sit down, maybe have a cup of coffee and get your Bible out and sit there and God will talk to you. God will talk to you. It's a place of judgment. It's a place of mercy. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place where you find there's there's our... Hebrews 4, 14, mercy and grace. And then in Romans 3, 26, we've already looked at that. Uh, it's a place where we are justified and declared to be righteous. Now, just quickly, just put a cap on this thing. The crown round about the ark, we've already gone through that. We tied that back together. Let's do look at it one more time real quickly. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 19. I think everybody's got assurance. I think it's settled, but I want you to be sure. We talked about the man that went in and picked up the lid and going to peep inside the under the uh, 
the uh, mercy seat where God had put those three symbols of the sins of the world, of Israel, and of you and I both. But in verse 19, this man came in there and he wanted to pick that lid off and looked, and he did. And, it's, and, and of God had said, and he spoke, he smote the men of Bashemoth. Because why? They had looked into the ark of the Lord. And it went on. This was a whole tribe of people. Even he smote of the people fifty thousand threescore and ten men, and the people admitted because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. You know, this is amusing to me. Several times in Scripture, we found where people in the Israelite nation disobeyed God and did emphatically contrary to what He had told them to do, where it concerns sins, and God killed them. Did you ever notice that God never made any apology for it? <laughs> God never made any apology for what He does. And how that, but what He does is right. But then again in verse 25, verse 18 over in Exodus, we've already looked at that, talked about he put the cherubims. A cherubim, we don't have a real, even the Jewish antiquities, Josephus, don't totally understand. But it was a huge, fierce bird of some nature. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. We'll finish up right here. Genesis chapter 3. And verse 24, and you'll get a picture of how powerful these birds were. I don't think we have any cherubims today, but nevertheless, they were there. Uh, verse 23, you know that Adam and Eve had sinned, Adam had sinned, God drove them out of the garden. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove men out, drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden what? And a flaming sword which turned every way to what? Keep. It means to totally seal. That man could not go back into the garden and partake of the tree of life. God put a cherubim there with a flaming sword. And as far as we know, in the accordance of history in the Bible, nobody has ever gone back into the, to where that tree of life was. At least they eat of it and live forever in their sins. God has put that type of a cherubim on top of the mercy seat to make sure nobody finds our sins. He guards the holiness of God. He guards, God, guards God's sovereignty. He guards the thing that God has sealed up inside the ark with the gold mercy seat and the blood of Christ and we be turned we have eternal redemption and like Naleta well pointed out you couldn't go back and undo that if you wanted to because God's got it all sealed all settled and you are eternally secure if you go out of here and murder somebody today it does not lose your salvation I don't advise you to do that <laughs> but I hope you got no questions about any of this. But your sins are covered with the blood of Christ. They're forgetting. They're cast behind the Lord Jesus. Don't let Satan torment you. Don't let your flesh torment you. And put your trust in the word of God that God will do what he said he would do because God who cannot lie said you have obtained eternal redemption. And if you go back to Romans chapter 8 verse 35, 34, somewhere along in there it says, who can lay anything 
They're God's elect. Nobody. God won't do it, and God won't let anybody else do it. Satan will torment you, though, if you'll listen. Bill, let's pray for the service to come and for Brother Cutshaw.